Listen, listen to our dog past The accountability podcast Get all the tea on the governance space Everything you need to know about accountability Making governance work for the people By supporting active citizens, responsible leaders Hello and welcome to another edition of the Accountability Podcast. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Accountability Lab, a global translocal network that makes governance work for people by supporting active citizens, responsible leaders, and accountable institutions. I'm your host, Kibo Ngoi, and today we're going to be talking about the lab strategy for the 2023 to 26 period. I'm joined by a cross-section of the lab's leadership from across the world, and I'm just going to go through their names before we get started. We have Sherry Lee Erasmus, our Global Director of Learning. We have Dusuba Konate, our Country Director for AL Mali. McDonald Lewanika, the Country Director of AL Zimbabwe. And Fayaz Asim, the Country Director of AL Pakistan. I'm grateful for all of our guests for being able to join us today. And I'd like to ask McDonald's. So can you talk a bit about how the strategic retreat in Victoria Falls, which incidentally took, took place in your backyard, can you... Uh, talk a little bit about how it is a good opportunity for the country directors to unpack how our translocal structure should work in practice. Yeah, no, definitely. I I, I think that the, the country directors retreat in Zimbabwe last year was a good opportunity to um, to operationalize uh, the translocal network, see it in action, and how it works uh, at a at a structural level. So the first thing that um, that uh, retreat was able to do was to ensure that there was a shared understanding around what that meant. Um, you know, when you hear the term translocal and you try to define it using common sense notions, it's possible that we can come up with uh, as many definitions as we have people involved in that uh, particular conversation. But uh, Victoria Falls allowed us to have a, to develop a shared understanding of what we meant by translocal and what kind of a structure could be able to carry. Um, the translocal network. It allowed us uh, to, 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 to operationalize um, cross-pollination of ideas and dispersion of power uh, in the same room as country directors. It was an opportunity uh, for the kind of feedback that we uh, uh, anticipate to see in a translocal network where peers uh, are able to learn from and with each other, are able to feedback on each other's ideas and just uh, grow together, um, having a, a shared uh, understanding of that. So so really Victoria Falls was an opportunity to, 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 to bring to life uh, the notion of the translocal network beyond um, the online engagements that we had been had, the email-based engagements that we had uh, been having, and to spend a week just living the practice of what it means to be a translocal network. Thank you so much, McDonald. Yes, I think it was really important to have that in-person engagement, especially coming out of that two-year, that period of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and all of the lockdowns associated with, with it. And I, I imagine it was especially significant for you and your lab, having been established during the time of COVID-19 and getting to host all of the country directors in your backyard. But now I'd like to bring in um, another guest, and this is, uh, I'd like to bring Fayaz into the conversation. So I'd like to ask, um, in Pakistan, much like many of our other countries, there have been several crises that have centered the importance of uh, accountability and open governance. How do you think the strategy is a response to that? Well, um, Kibo, I think um, Pakistan is is a, is, is, is an, a very good example of, uh, of governance failure, you know, among the developing countries. Um, you know, the economic situation is very precarious. We have had, you know, 
um, biblical floods, you know, in, 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 the, in the last year and, you know, the overall, you know, so much political division, uh, religious division and the country has, you know, it seems to have lost its, its direction. Um, and I, I guess, uh, you know, all of the pieces of puzzle, which, you know, through the lens where from I see it, you know, they, they are part of our strategy, um, strategy document as well. For example, Pakistan currently needs um, a true acknowledgement of, of its people, of its young people, which are about 64% of the, the overall population. Um, civic engagement of young people, we, it's not that we have... Uh, poverty of thought in our country we have we we know the solutions to our challenges however people are not genuinely being allowed to be to be a part of that solution so that civic engagement uh, it, it it needs to be promoted um we you know there are so many divisions political divisions religious divisions ethnic and linguistic divisions and at this stage i mean whoever is going to be at the helm of the affairs they, they need to ensure that inclusion is the central piece of whatever solution we you know the, the political stakeholders or other other actors they are going to devise inclusion is going to be a central piece of that which again you know account is 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 at the heart of uh, accountability labs strategy going forward one of the biggest challenges that pakistan faces is you know it's uh, it's corruption uh, part of the reason is that you know willfully various government departments they have kept the system manual and you know the the access to information is very tricky government it makes it very very difficult for people to access the the information which which actually belong belong to the people so i think uh, digitization of the government you know where where human interaction with the public officials can be minimized and of course openness of of the government it can it can definitely present themselves as as major parts of the solution um and then finally of course pakistan is among the the most um vulnerable countries uh, you know um who are going to be affected by the climate change and i i guess um when we when we look at the country from a global perspective climate justice is something that needs to be talked about um i think all all of these these points they they are at at the heart of accountability labs strategy so i think labs work uh, in pakistan is very important Thank you so much, Fayez. But now I'd like to turn your question back to Desuba. And so Desuba, the, the three core areas of the lab's work are shifting norms and behaviors, equipping reformers for collect, collective action, and influencing policies, processes, and practices. Could you share some of your achievements and Mali in terms of these key areas of work? Yeah, thank you for that question. Um, just before answering uh, to that specific question, I just want to give a little bit of context um, in, in Mali. Um, as my colleague mentioned, um, uh, we talked about the different crises that Pakistan went through. Um, I think that there is a lot of similarities also for, um, for Mali as well. And I like the term that you use, governance failure. And I think I'm going to use that also for uh, for Mali because it's it's a reality, unfortunately. Um, there is rampant corruption, and it didn't start right now. The way the government actually spent the, the, the money that belonged to the population is just incredible. And unfortunately, that led to so, to so many other issues, such as insecurity in the northern part of the Mali that is actually trickling down in the center part of Mali and even worse in other in neighboring countries. So that means that the, the crisis that we are facing, the insecurity crisis that we are facing is not just in Mali, but in Niger and in Burkina Faso and in the Sahel just generally. Um, and that, and 
again led to two military coups that we had in 2020 and then 2021. So that means that right now Mali is being led by a government that does not have, that hasn't been elected or doesn't have like the legitimacy also to do that, even though they kind of have um, some support from, from the population here and there. Um, because of all of the different issues that I just mentioned before. So here in Mali, definitely there is um, a, a lot of work to do, a lot of, on our plates. Uh, and that's that that's what accountability um uh, and accountability lab is already is is I think is playing a big role into that. Um, so what we're trying to do first of all is really engage the population. I think that civic engagement is really key by adopting innovative ways of addressing the issues that we are facing. So really trying to, um, to make sure that the voice, the, the, the population, um, first of all, feel engaged by what they're going through, but they have a voice to actually talk about, to talk about that. So um, we had implemented a program that we called Film Fellowship, which is like a creative way and an amazing way to give um, to give a voice, but also to do some visual storytelling by the population towards the different issues that they are facing. And I, I want to just want to add another aspect that we think that is really important is inclusion. So making sure that women, uh, the women and youth are included in um, those, those different issues that we may be uh, facing. And in the program that we put in place, um, the Yali Film Fellowship last year, it was a program that was implemented here in Mali and simultaneously in Niger only for uh, women. So we have 20 women participants um, who did a, really such a, an amazing job. And what I love about uh, personally about that, that specific program is that those, those short films that they have done, not only it's an advocacy tool, but it stays. Um, we know that we are addressing issues that will take a long time to be to be um, to to be addressed to be changed, and and I think that those short movie that they have done is not something that we will just like show in twenty twenty one. But no, this is something that we can still um, use for the for the coming years. So um, so I, I think that this is absolutely uh, amazing in terms of equipping the reformers for collecting action. In every program that we put in place, there is that notion of training. So really training the people that that young generation of social leaders, of active leaders, um, there is that importance of training them on the values that we that we promote, the values that we trying to that that we try to embody, that are integrity and accountability, and really show them in a collective and in a participative process to see how they can also. Um, they can understand that concept of accountability and try to see how they can go back into their community and really put that in place. And just in terms on uh, influencing policies, processes, and practices, a lot of advocacy is being done towards, um, uh, well, as, as much as we can, considering the political instability that Mali is currently facing, Nevertheless, um, if I can give one particular example through the, the, the program Integrity Icon that aims at identifying and celebrate honest civil servants, one of our icon who has been appointed as head of the Justice Department, he initiated several action in which we really, um, Accountability Lab did his best to support him. 
And the, the action that they put in place is really to fight whether it's small corruption, but also to address bigger fish to just ensure that impunity is no longer a common practice. But I think that we have to understand here that this is a long-term process. And I think that we are, despite all of the different issues that we are facing, and sometimes we can think that the situation is getting worse, but I think that there is really that willingness of the citizen, of the population to really bring a positive change. Um, and I think that we're on the right path. Thank you, Dusimba, for sharing all of those great examples of how a lot of the work that you're doing in Mali, speaking to the core areas of the lab's work throughout the world. And I especially like what you said in terms of how governance failures, there are commonalities between governance failures that can be understood that cut across different countries. And I think the translocal network that we've created as a lab allows us to learn from each other, learn from different countries. I think in most people's minds, the you would not immediately think that there were any commonalities between Mali and Pakistan, for instance, but uh, as you pointed out, that there's a lot that we can learn from each other in terms of governance failures and then promoting civic engagement and promoting shifts in norms and behavior. So thank you for sharing that. And on that point of the translocal network, I'd like to bring McDonald back into the conversation. Building out our translocal network is a key output of the 2023 to 2026 strategy. How would you describe for our listeners the benefits of being part of this translocal network of labs? Um, <clears throat> thanks, Kibo. And I, I, I guess for me, the starting point is um, um, uh, where, where, where the Suba uh, left it off. The, the, one of the biggest advantages of being part of the translocal network is the opportunity for us to to, to, to learn together across multiple contexts. Um, because as she rightly stated, there are some uh, governance failures, but also successes that we can be able to to, to, to learn from each other as, um, as, as labs that exist within the network. And we can also uh, be able to share uh, and create together solutions that are actionable around accountability challenges that are, are commonplace in the different contexts that we are working in, despite uh, geography and, uh, and and other factors. So so for me, clearly, that is uh, one of the advantages. And then and, and, and we it's it's a it's an advantage that cuts across all the five principles of the translocal network, uh, be it in relation to how to grow uh, in a sustainable fashion, uh, our resources and participants, how to borrow uh, success stories from other places and replicating them in contexts that uh, on the surface may appear differently, how to manage partnerships and develop new ways uh, of, of, of partnering with other organizations that do not entail subordination and ordination relationships and so on and so forth. So, so for me, that, that, that is arguably um, the, the biggest benefit. But uh, outside that uh, broad level, you know, there they, they, they are other uh, very, very direct um, uh, benefits that accrue um, to, 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 to us uh, as a lab on account of our character as a translocal network. Some of these uh, benefits are organizational. Some of them relate to their approaches uh, and the way in which we can be able to leverage each other to come up with creative and innovative uh, ideas through the cross-pollination of ideas that we, we have talked about. You know, creating or coming up with innovative ideas is not just a function of the ability to do so. It's also a function of the environment within which you need to be able to do that. And within the translocal network, part of what happens on a fairly regular basis through the constant engagements, the get-together, the sharing of successes and failures is the building of trust. And trust in itself uh, allows us then to be able to be more innovative because we, we are in a safe environment where we can experiment with ideas, where we know that if we are failing, we're going to fail forward 
or if we come up with an idea that might not be so great, uh, you're not just going to be criticized, but you're going to be assisted in a collaborative fashion by colleagues in order to sharpen that particular idea. So, so from an innovative perspective, from a creative capacity perspective, that's definitely an advantage or a benefit um, uh, to, to being part of, um, of, of the network in addition to sharing some of the standard uh, approaches that we have, like uh, positive deviance, um, the translocal network itself, positive narrative building, uh, and sharing uh, common strategic approaches. Like we are based, uh, like the conversation that we're having now, we have one strategies accountability lab, uh, differences will accrue around how we implement, uh, uh, depending on context, but, but there is a clear uh, common strategic approach that uh, comes as a result of being part of um, uh, this kind of a network. I can go on and on uh, to list uh, some of the benefits of uh, being part of the network, but I think that those uh, would be the major ones. Um, the only thing I would add is just the ability uh, to be able to benefit uh, from resources that are in the common port, be they financial resources, be they human resources, be they supervisory resources, be they intellectual resources. And I think that those are amazing, amazing benefits that uh, are uh, come as a result of being part of a network like we are. Thank you so much, McDonald. So I'd like to bring um, Sherry back into the conversation here. And um, so Sherry, our strategy highlights how we have chosen to focus on four priority strategic themes over the next three years, inclusion, climate justice, digital governance, and civic agency. Why are we moving in this direction? And uh, what are some examples you could perhaps share with our listeners? Yeah, thank you, Kibo. This is a, a great question. I think that, you know, it's important to understand that these four thematic areas weren't sort of pulled out of thin air um, and that we latched onto them for the next three years. But rather they emerged when we look at what we are already doing um, across countries, sometimes in different ways, sometimes with a stronger focus in some countries on a specific area, but it's already deeply embedded in, in what we do at the lab. And in this strategy, we sort of, you know, put pen to paper and solidified that, yes, these are the core themes that we're working on for the next four years so that we can also, in the spirit of learning, hold ourselves accountable for working on these, these four things. And I think the beauty of accountability is really that it's an intersectional value in a way, and that's reflected in these themes. So if we think about inclusion, for example, it's it's impossible to have a conversation really around accountability of power holders in a country without asking the question, you know, who's being represented, who's being included in that process. And so inclusion, as an example, is something that we've that has underpinned all of our work. When we think of programs like CIVACTS, where we are gathering um, citizen-generated data to better understand perceptions and the challenges that community face, communities face, we are constantly specifically seeking out communities with marginalized voices, for example, so that their data, their voices can be included in decision-making processes. One of my favorite examples of doing really deep inclusion work is from Nigeria, where over the last two years, Team Nigeria ran a CIVACS project to specifically understand why 
people with disabilities are still excluded from governance processes. And this is everything ranging from elections to participatory budgeting processes to actually accessing civil service jobs. And from the networks they built through that and the data they gathered through that, they were able to inform policy that essentially will make it easier in time for people with disabilities to be accommodated, welcomed, and and included in governance processes. Then when we look at climate justice, I think there's not a lot more to be said after the very, um, very stark example of floods in Pakistan that that Fayaz made earlier. When we think about it, the world is changing in many ways. We're seeing more and more really intense um, natural disasters. We're coupled with that, there's the need to really reform how we think about things like use of natural resources and energy resources and, and working on a just transition. And in, as the world is going through this process, it's very likely that the marginalized and, and people with the least resources are adversely affected by these things. And so climate justice is really important to ensure that, again, those who are often left outside of, um, of outside of policy making processes, but are often most affected based on their proximity, based on their access to services and resources are included in these processes. And then digital governance and civic agency also emerged over the last few years as something that the lab is doing more and more about. Civic agency has always been um, a core component of our civics work in terms of co-creating solutions. One of my colleagues earlier on spoke about how people understand their own challenges and understand their own solutions, right? So how do we play a role in equipping them to surface those solutions and to move them forward. People already have good ideas, but an organization like the lab with our translocal network, with our proximity, we're able to help move those ideas and voices forward. And then in the digital governance space, there's really a number of ways in which we've been working in that space already. Firstly, through equipping reformers with a passion for um, creating a more equitable digital governance space in the incubator, but also through our hack corruption project that is, is now one of the biggest AL global projects and forming communities of young people with um, solutions around opening up procurement, opening up contracting processes and beneficial ownership. Um, transparency across a number of countries. So these things all intersect with accountability and have underpinned our work, some of them for longer than others, but are also the most important things that we can contribute to at the moment. You know, it's really important for an organization to be humble um, and to know what we can do because the space is large and some organizations are better equipped to handle some tasks than others. But these are the four areas that we thought that given our track record, given our proximity and the type of change makers we have in our network, we can work on these for the next four, three years. Thank you so much, Sherry. And I know that was a really broad question. I feel like we could have an entire conversation just based on those strategic themes and the different ways that we're going to actually address them in programs across our our translocal network. But thank you for giving us some examples of that. And uh, now I'd like to bring Fayaz back into the conversation. So Fayaz, the Pakistan team is one of the fastest growing labs with more than 20 people. 
so I'm curious, how do the values of Accountability Lab influence the way you have grown and managed the team, especially in terms of giving opportunity to younger people and creating a work culture that attracts people want to make an impact? Thank you, Kibo. So um, Pakistan team grew, you know, we, we were a very, we used to be a very small team. We grew very slowly before we began to grow very quickly, which is the case now for, for a couple of years, I would say. And um, I would like to pick from, you know, what Sherry said, um, something, a lesson that we learned very early on was that we we wanted to have people on board who were um, invested into the cause of accountability in Pakistan. Now, at the end of the day, accountability is a, it's a political concept. So um, people who really wanted to sort of, you know, stand for their rights, people who really wanted to have their say included into the government and governance process, people who were, um, who were worried about how their, their communities were suffering because of governance failure or governance challenges and people who who wanted to you know um form their own ideas thinking you know they were innovative they were accepting uh, acceptive of of innovative thoughts you know these were the people who we who we really wanted to have on board now um from our team of you know more than 20 people um about 50 percent of them these are the people who started with us as volunteers you know in one capacity or the other and eventually we were have we were we were able to have them on board since most of the team is is comprised of young people, we also learned that you know um, we, these are the people who come with a with a pinch of activism, you know, and they really want to be hands on on everything that they do. We had to give them you know um, a decent amount of freedom and flexibility with the work they wanted to do. You know, they 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 wanted to co-create this governance solutions that we wanted to, you know, um, initiate in Pakistan. And I think Accountability Lab, through through its, um, you know, uh, through its uh, team management model, pretty much everywhere, wherever we work, I think we provide that freedom and flexibility to our team members. That is part of the reason that our um uh, you know turnover is very low people people love to stick with the accountability lab and, and we, we attract um more and more talent uh, you know at the lab be that in, in in capacity of volunteers you know in capacity of um you know permanent team members in capacity of other stakeholders or supporters of accountability lab we we do have that credi- credibility you know I, I i can tell you that pakistan is a, a accountability lab in pakistan Pakistan as a country do not have a very well-developed concept of volunteerism. And despite despite that kind of cultural barrier, Accountability Lab has maintained a network of volunteer, which is bigger than around 350 people, you know, across Pakistan. It it wouldn't have been um it wouldn't have been possible to develop such such a robust network of young people had our approach not appealed to the people who, you know, who who are working with, with the accountability lab. So yes, you know, um, identifying people whose values, whose approach towards governance, and you know, the uh, in Pakistan that resonates with Accountability Lab's own approach was the key in terms of you know um, developing such big team and then maintaining it in Pakistan. Thank you so much, Payaz. I'm sure there's a lot of lessons in that process that a lot of our other network labs can learn. But I think this is where we close the discussion for today. That is this. There is so much more that we could unpack stemming from the strategy, but stemming from the lab's work more generally. But I think we've already gotten a lot of great insight. So I'd just like to thank everybody for taking the time to come and speak with us today. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you, Fayaz. Thank you, McDonald. And thank you, Desuba. Thanks, Gibble.
Thank you, Kibo. Take care. Great. And for everyone listening, that was just a snapshot of our strategy, which you can actually find on our website, accountabilitylab.org, and learn more about our work across the world, whether in, in Zimbabwe, in Pakistan, or in Mali. Uh, visit our website to learn more on that. You can reach out to us on info at accountabilitylab.org if you'd like to get in touch. We'd like for this podcast to be useful to the work you might be doing related to good governance and civic engagement. What topics or questions would you like us to explore? Let us know in an email or on our social media pages and stay tuned for our next episode in the next few weeks. Listen, listen to our podcast, the accountability podcast. Get all the tea on the governance space. Everything you need to know about accountability. Making governance work for the people by supporting active citizens, responsible leaders. Ah.